Hey, Devin, want to play a game? Yeah, sure. Uh, what about Mario Party? I was thinking something more dark and twisted. What? Hello! Welcome to Tay to Z, where we chat about every Taylor Swift song in alphabetical order. I'm Devin. And I'm Gab, and we will be your hosts on this journey. In our last episode, we talked about Daylight from Lover. The best. Love Love Daylight. (laughs) And today, we are discussing the song Dear John from Speak Now. Dear John is the track five of Speak Now. Track five. five. (laughs) Speak Now was released on October 25th, 2010, and this song was solely written by Taylor. As was the rest of the Speak Now album. As was. Dear John has been played live 112 times by Taylor, all on her Speak Now world tour. 112 times. Yeah. We are extremely excited to announce that we have a very special guest on this episode. Sarah, also known as Taylor Swift Style, the creator of the original Taylor Swift Style blog and fantastic Instagram account at Taylor Swift Styled, and one of my favorite Swifties. Sarah, welcome to Tata Z. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Hello, hello. We are so excited for this, especially to talk about Dear John with you. (laughs) Me too. It's a good one. It's a very meaty song. There's a lot to talk about here. Yes. A lot to talk about. Definitely. So we ask all our guests to share their Taylor history with us. So when did you first discover Taylor Swift? It's interesting. So my Taylor story begins many, many moons ago, all the way back in 2006. I've been a fan since 2006. Back in the good old days of LimeWire, I was illegally downloading music, as one does. (laughs) And while in the midst of acquiring the entire Dixie Chicks discography, (laughs) there in the country section was a little song called Our Song by someone named Taylor Swift. And that was the first song I ever heard by her. And I listened to our song, and then I obviously proceeded to download, listen, and buy and consume legally at that point everything (laughs) Taylor-related from then until today. I was in a guitar class at the time, and I downloaded all of her chord sheets, and I taught myself how to play guitar by playing everything off debut. I was 14, and I just fell in love with this young girl's ability to beautifully capture the sincerity and the wistfulness and the angst of teenage love and all that goes with it. But that's like the story of how I became a fan, not how I started TSS. I created TSS on a very Taylor Swift approved day, October 13th, 2011. Completely coincidental. Completely coincidental. Just works in the folklore of Mm. TSS. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I've always been a lover of words and of books and of magazines, like of newspapers. I'm a journalist, like by trade. I have a BA in it and I worked as a newspaper reporter for a few years, but I've just always loved words. So even like to this day, I love sitting at my desktop computer (laughs) Mm -hmm. with like a cup of coffee and I love reading blogs. And obviously like my love of Taylor was like already in existence at that point. It was baked. But Eventually, I started to like have a love of fashion, and that started working its way into my love of Taylor. And I like started consuming all of this like celebrity fashion coverage in magazines and news sites. But like you, I quickly realized like at that time, 2011, 
all of these sites were really only documenting like the major outings, like red carpets and major like appearances. But there wasn't really a source or an option at that time for like, what was she wearing while getting lunch in Nashville? Or like a dress that she wore in a music video or like that top that she was wearing with like in a selfie that she had with a fan. And again, as someone who just loves blogs and loves fashion and loves Taylor, there was this little seed of possibility that was planted in my brain of like, what if I was the person who did that? What if I was the person who combined all of those things that I love into a hobby? TSS celebrates its 10-year anniversary this year. Wow. That is so huge. That's so cool. So it's just been this incredible pleasure to watch this thing that was like a hobby and just a whim of combining these three things that I happen to like (laughs) into Mm -hmm. like now effectively a part-time job of mine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a constant and welcoming source for conversation and community and critical kindness on <laughs> all things Taylor and fashion. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. TSS. That's amazing. So, it's so cool. You fit right in into like a niche that didn't exist and like was needed. Yeah. I think that's kind of the signature of the trademark of a lot of things is, or like a lot of like success stories is identifying a niche and trying to create a source that fills that and now it's interesting even more so to see like fashion accounts dedicated to tiktokers um, yeah and that like that's the evolution that we're at now so that's really interesting i know they do those for like different reality tv shows and stuff like what people were on the bachelor exactly Yeah. yeah so freaking cool so i know that you have seen taylor live can you share with all of our listeners the times you have seen taylor live and which tours so i have seen taylor live in every tour that she's been on except which is weird enough because this is the time that we're in but i've seen her on every tour except for the fearless tour oh wow yeah so this has been like a particularly nostalgic and interesting time for me the Mm. only reason i didn't get to see her on the fearless tour is because i didn't have a driver's license and her fearless tour date was in washington state and i couldn't get there on my own (laughs) but my very 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 first taylor concert and actually i think my first concert ever was i was posted up in the nosebleeds in the upper bowl of a brad paisley show which taylor swift opened for and yeah i went I went for Taylor, but at the time, I was listening to Brad Paisley's music, too. Wow. So the origin. The <laughs> yeah, origin that's of Taylor. So wow. cool. Ugh, I that's wish awesome. I could say that. The, the dream. Yeah, that's so neat. I was not a fan back then. I am a new Swifty. He is a I have been Swifty. converted by Gab, and so I have I have not been able to see her live yet. No. Oh, my I am, gosh. I am dreaming he, and waiting. He gets invited to the next one. I do. I've seen her speak now. And then 1989 and Reputation. And Devin and I were dating when the Reputation tour came through New York. And I brought my best friend. And I did not bring my boyfriend because he hadn't earned it yet. He didn't deserve that. You gotta (laughs) earn your stripes. I mean, I think you probably would have converted him significantly earlier if he had gotten to see Rep. Life. That's what she said. It was like life changing. Yeah. <laughs> that show. Well, I mean, even even just the DVD, it doesn't capture all of it, of course, but like what it does capture. Yeah. The majesty of Karen as she emerges is something truly to be seen in person. 
It's really just unbelievable. Oh, I loved it. Also, I know you were a secret sessioner. Can you share with our listeners just a little bit about that? And what that is, because we do have some listeners that probably have no idea what the secret sessions are. Oh, that is true. So for context, secret sessions was something that Taylor started in the 1989 era to promote the 1989 album. She scoured the depths of the internet to find the most dedicated fans that she could and invited a limited number of fans to her personal residences to listen to 1989 weeks before it came out. And I happened to be one of the lucky fans who was invited to listen to 1989 in her New York home. Oh my God. So cool. (laughs) So you flew all the way there from Vancouver? Yeah, I did. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. I think wow. I was actually the person who had flown the furthest <laughs> in yeah. the in the session. She asked who like who's traveled to get here, and one person was like, "I came from New Jersey." <laughs> <laughs> I had to go through the Lincoln Tunnel. <laughs> and I'm like, I crossed an international border to come here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So were you, were you like sitting on her floor of her living room? Like, yeah, we were all. All, like story time, all of us just on the floor, cozied up, cross-legged, and she was sitting on a chair with her iPhone connected to like a speaker. It was very cool. <laughs> so cool. So cool. So cool. Yeah. Wow. Also that Tribeca apartment, like, oh, to see inside. So cool. <laughs> it's very cozy. Many candles. Ooh. Ugh. Girl loves that. a good candle. I believe we, that. We love, we love we candles. Lo- we're big candle big fans candles. over here. Yeah. Okay, so today we are discussing Dear John. Sarah, we're going to have you start it off. What do you think of this song? What do you like about this song? Oh, man. Big shoes to fill here going first. But I think the best words to describe it are a powerful and eviscerating song. I've always gone into albums like as blind as possible, but for me, there's just nothing like sitting there with the breathless anticipation to absorb and enjoy like an entire body of work as fully as possible. So I think back on this time when I was waiting for Speak Now to drop, and at the time, Taylor was obviously seeding her works with journalists beforehand. She didn't really do that with like reputation so much because she wanted to keep that obviously very close to the chest, but when she was doing promo for this album, there were journalism previews for the album coming out, and nearly every journalist described this song as a blistering ballad. Yes. Like, scorching one-liners. Like, these are verbatims. So I was already shook, like, before even (laughs) hearing the song. There was just this precedent that this song was going to destroy you. And what the song itself is, is this just transcending ballad describing in that beautifully highly detailed and nuanced way that is Taylor's signature as a songwriter. This relationship that was painful and manipulative and confusing. I do have to like out myself here as a massive John Mayer fan. I have to make your listeners aware. (laughs) I think that like adds to this conversation so much more. So like prior to Dear John and like post Dear John, I know that being a John Mayer fan in this fandom is a contentious thing to be, but I've always been a fan of his music. And this song is an exemplary example of Taylor's songwriting prowess. It really is. When we started dating... 
Gab, being the Swifty that she is and was, was like, so, you know, are you like into Taylor Swift? And I said, well, you know, I've heard a couple of her songs. And you're like, okay, so what have you heard? And I was like, you know, that Dear John song is like really good. And I was like, I've watched that on YouTube a couple of times. And like, Dear John really hits. And, uh, and she's like, Dear, Dear John, that's the first song you think that's of? That's a and deep like, cut. It yeah. Is. Yeah. yeah, and we started so. dating in 2016, so like 1989 was like what most people were. Yeah, 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 I mean, I was I was a big 1989 fan, but I hadn't really gotten into Taylor Swift very much. But surprisingly, the song really stood out. And listening back this week is is really exciting because you just really get to find the nuances, especially in the background vocals, in the instrumentals, and everything. Mm-hmm. And I am just obsessed with the electric guitar there at the beginning. The wow. throughout the whole song like that just keeps bringing back this sense of melancholy so it complements her lyrics just like so nicely Mm -hmm. the melancholy of that very simple like it's like this nagging constantly throughout the whole song I just love the harmonies in the choruses as well Mm -hmm. it just gives it this extra raw feeling to it and I really love that a lot there's a lot that I love about the song but I love also (laughs) in the second verse I'm sorry the second chorus when she adds the second part of the chorus to specify even further on how she's feeling about it I was too young but now I'm 19 Mm -hmm. and this is really not okay and you're just like oh my god she's like really going in and (laughs) and then of course the final part that really gets me is when she says that you should have known when she flips it on the head Mm -hmm. instead of saying like I should have known that it was wrong I should have known that to know better but you should have known because it was your fault and this you made me feel this way and you're just like yes (laughs) yes Taylor he played games and you get the last word (laughs) and and she does we have talked about that in this podcast so many times Taylor will always get the last word she always will Mm -hmm. she's gonna write a song about you it might be a good song. It might be a bad song, depending on how you left well, things. She's going to share how she feels. She's going to share it, and you better be ready for it. And so I love the, getting the last word. That's just a personal thing that I feel like I always <laughs> want to, yeah. so I love that. So yeah. big, big fan of this song. Love the song. What about you, Gab? What do you think? I also love this song. It is extremely pointed and direct, so... I have to say that, like, there are times where maybe I feel a little bad for John Mayer, like, maybe, but also I still feel all the song and understand, like, what a manipulative relationship is like. So also, like, sorry, John, she wrote a song. Mm-hmm. Also, maybe not about John. She didn't say. She never confirmed. <laughs> She never confirmed. (laughs) But she didn't. We'll get to that in Gossip Gab. But like, I too love how Taylor changes the lyrics from I should have known where it's like her taking ownership of the heartbreak like that she should have seen coming given what the relationship was like. And then you should have known pointing to the fact that like he shouldn't have played games with her. And also, he should have known the girl in the dress would write him a song. That was her MO at the time, especially like coming off of Fearless and the whole Joe Jonas era. You know, she wrote songs about her relationships, which were starting to become public at this time. So John Mayer, if he was messing with her, should have been aware that this could have happened. So as I said earlier, I did get to see this song live. You can just tell by the end of Taylor performing it how like mad and like full of rage she is and how ready she is to like just like stick it to him. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you should have known. Like, her eyes are like, "Mm mm-hmm. And I just love it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And (laughs) having been a 19-year-old myself, 
and having been in relationships at that time, I just really get that feeling of anger and that feeling of needing to be like, you did this and I need to talk about it. Some of my favorite lyrics that I have to shout out that aren't my number one favorite lyric that I'm going to mention later. I love, and you'll add my name to your long list of traitors who don't understand. Mm. And I'll look back and regret how I ignored when they said, run as fast as you can. And it's just like so good and so pointed. And I remember in the tour, she had this epic hand movement as she was saying, long list of traitors. And I always think of that as she's doing it. Yeah. (laughs) I always think of like that and just like how she's building this list. So if you guys haven't seen it, please YouTube Taylor singing this live so you can get to see the performance. And then also I love the line, never impressed by me acing your tests. And to our Mm. listeners, I have to say, if you're in a relationship where you feel you have to ace a test or act a certain way or be super knowledgeable on a topic just to impress someone, that ain't it. That's not love. And that someone who loves you for you won't put you through tests. And also, it's okay not to know everything about something they're interested in and to teach each other things because that's a really fun part of a relationship. So don't let your significant other test you in any way. It's not Mm-mm. not healthy. <laughs> okay. I do love the the metaphor of games in this song. I think even beyond just the lyrics to highlight how pointed this song is, that usage of guitar That's John Mayer. Like that guitar is John Mayer. That is exactly what John, those licks, the wah, wah, like that is, Mm -hmm. that's John Mayer's signature sound. And to not only eviscerate him with words that she has written, but to, in a sense, not necessarily co-opt, but to pick up on his signature sound in a song where she is effectively ripping him to shreds with words Mm. that she has written is beautifully petty. (laughs) Yes. Which I think is what Taylor does best. (laughs) Yes. I have to say beautifully petty is such a good way to put it because there's just something about especially the the eras of younger teenage young 20s Taylor where you're just like yes yes and you just wish you could be that petty and be that way too but like not all of us can write songs that everyone hears and gets it out and it's fearless week and I don't know how you guys felt about Mr. Perfectly Fine but being a fan during that time I don't know if you've seen it but the doll video On her MySpace? Oh my gosh. Oh, we have to look it up. I suggest you YouTube it because that is an excellent example of teenage (laughs) Taylor being very, very petty. Basically... It was during the ramp up to Fearless. Oh, it's the Joe. It's the Joe, the Joe doll. Jonas doll. Oh, I have seen Where that. She there's a camp rock doll of Joe Jonas, and there's like a doll, a Barbie doll of her, like her, and she she's <laughs> like he should have a cell phone so he can break up with other dolls. <laughs> <gasps> Wow. It's so good. It and it's like, excellent. how many of us when we were teenagers, like we had like conversations like that with our friends. But she's doing it in a very public space, which yeah. makes yeah. it so funny. So yeah. funny. <laughs> so funny. That is a little bit of the wonderment of Taylor is that like what we would do behind closed doors, like with friends and being like, God, I just like, oh, this person's so, she writes a song and yeah. she releases it and billions of people hear it. And <laughs> like- <laughs> But we're all her friends, so it's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I had to say, hearing Mr. Perfectly Fine, I was like, oh my god, 20-year-old Gab needed this song. Like, really needed this song. (laughs) Uh, So, Devin, you kind of hinted at it earlier, but do you relate to Dear John? 
I can't help but think that I was on the receiving end of this at one point in high school. I feel like this song at one point maybe could have been written about me. Oh, yikes. Oh, boy. I've talked in a couple of other episodes. I had a very skewed view of like what a relationship was in high school. I was like very old soul about it. I would actually like want to date the girl and like bring her bring her to like the movies and like go on multiple dates before determining whether or not we were going to be boyfriend girlfriend or whatever and like that wasn't it like if well you, yeah when you ask someone out if you ask someone out you were boyfriend girlfriend mm. and so like that was something that I had to learn very quickly <laughs> that that was not the right thing to do but now like now it is like we went on you know, a month worth of dates before (laughs) we were boyfriend and girlfriend. So there were a lot of, I think, scorned women in high school (laughs) that if they were Taylor Swift, maybe would have written a song uh, about that. But with this song and with a couple of the other ones, I know I said this about um, Dancing With Our Hands Tied. I I talked about how all of her songs are relatable because that's what makes good music. And if you can relate to the song, you are able to listen to it multiple times. This song is relatable, but all I think about is her experience Mm. with this John. So when I listen to it, I listen to it for the raw, for the eviscerating feeling of it to be like, yes, Taylor, yes. But I'm I'm not thinking about me feeling hurt when I was 19. It really paints a great picture for me of who she was and like where she was as sad and and heartbroken as she was during this time and the the song that she wrote because of it and a lot of these heartbroken songs have have made her into the woman that she is today and mm. the strong independent incredibly powerful woman that she is so that's how I relate Sarah what about you how do you relate to it well first of all I think that's just I think that's really great and speaks to the strength of Taylor's songwriting in general and the connection that she's made with fans, both in exposing like the raw nerve of her experiences. And so you as a fan feel closer to her because you are understanding so intimately the experiences that she is going through, but then also that simultaneous connection and layering onto like your personal experiences and how your personal experiences as like a separate entity human you feel like are being exposed or translated into song. And there's nothing more cathartic than to feel like your feelings and your experiences are real. But it's that simultaneous, like dual kind of connection of like a deeper connection to yourself and your experiences by hearing other people going through it. But the deepening of the connection between Taylor and her fans, which I think has been the backbone of her career is this connection that she's developed with fans by talking so in great detail about her life but anyway mm. <laughs> definitely love true. it love yeah. it i don't personally relate to this song like all that much much like you i think a lot about taylor's personal experience and what she must have gone through in order to have to or in order to get to a place where she could write a song like this but it is a song that means a lot to my best friend And every time I think of this song, I think about how we stood shoulder to shoulder at the Speak Now tour. And I just instinctively, like we're both staring at her. And I just instinctively reached for her hand when that iconic guitar intro started. And she squeezed my hand back 
And I look over and her head is like tilted up, like looking sightlessly at the ceiling of the arena. And her Mm. eyes are closed and there are just tears running down her face and she's mouthing Mm. every word. And I got to be there for the experience of everything that that song like means to her personally. So Mm. to come like full circle of this song helping somewhat in the journey to heal those wounds. And that's just the power of music really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, reinforcing that fan connection, not only through Taylor's experiences, but like healing your own experiences when you hear it out loud. So that's what I think of. I love that. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. That's what I I always say that like Taylor's music and like being able to know that like I wasn't the only one experiencing things like got me through some of those really difficult times and forever like adore her because of that because she just like was there and her music was there and do you relate gab so i gotta tell you guys i have written a dear john letter in my life Mm. (laughs) i do (laughs) (laughs) was it as good as this one no Ah, (laughs) i don't know actually it was pretty eviscerating but my first major breakup i was like super blindsided by which like Side note, I shouldn't have been. It was toxic. I should have been aware of that. Because I was so blindsided, there was like a lot I never got to say in the breakup because I was just so hurt and taken by surprise that like you don't say all those things that you like had thought of. So like later that year, my therapist had me write my own version of a Dear John letter, one that like I never sent. So one that like I could just get all the thoughts out to. And that one was like extremely eviscerating, like extremely And angry, obviously. But then there was another that then I kind of edited down and took some of maybe like the expletives out of and whatnot that I did end up sending. And like back then, like Facebook was like the social network of the time. So it was sent via Facebook message. It It wasn't a handwritten letter. Oh, man. Yes. It was basically, it was really just like a closure letter and a way of helping me like get all my thoughts out and like get that closure. The relationship was part way through high school and part way through college. So it was basically a, hey, let's air this out and talk through this over winter break type kind of situation. Hmm. So which did end up happening. And the closure was really important to me. I relate really to the lyric, maybe it's me and my blind optimism to blame, or maybe it's you and your sick need to give love and take it away. Mm. I tend to be like really idealistic and really loyal to a fault when it comes to relationships. So like I really relate to Taylor owning that like blind optimism. And like I always, when I was younger, I believed like you could work through anything make anything in a relationship work like I was like all in on every relationship I was in and I had to learn at age 20 that like that isn't always the case and you shouldn't be fighting for a relationship where you're treated poorly or where the person like doesn't want to fight for you Mm -hmm. and obviously relationships are work but there's something about the word the blind optimism where it's just like no matter what we can get through this where when you're 20 and even if you think you might want to marry that person you're probably not you don't have to work through Every issue that happens, even if you feel like you do. You shouldn't fight for a relationship where you're treated horribly, basically, is how, how I feel and connect to that. And then I really relate, like really hardcore relate to the lyric, my mother accused me of losing my mind, but I swore I was fine. If you're close with your mother and you trust her, like Taylor is with Andrea and like I am with my mom, it's really important to trust her when they're worried about how you're being treated in a relationship And I had to learn that the hard way. And I mean, it wasn't just my mom. It was friends, too. But I thought, like, I knew better. And, like, I could make it through and work it out. And that wasn't true. And I had to learn that the hard way. And, look, I learned so much and I came out better because of it. But because of that, I definitely relate to this song and that feeling of anger 
from being in a relationship that was manipulative or toxic. I still have that letter somewhere on Facebook, probably. You do? My Facebook wasn't deleted, so I don't ever go on it, but it still exists. So since we've got Sarah on this week's episode, we wanted her to do a little segment that we have so titled Fashion with Taylor Swift Style. She's got that fashion. This is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. I am lying. (laughs) So we've talked a lot about the Speak Now tour so far this episode. And I think part of what makes this song so instantly recognizable in a lot of fans' heads is actually the outfit from the Speak Now tour when she performed this song, which is a custom dress by Broadway designer Susan Hilferty. Um, Her previous credits include the costuming for Wicked and Spring Awakening. A lot of the aspects of the Speak Now tour, I think, borrow that Broadway theatricality. Mm -hmm. So to have a Broadway designer as part of the costuming credits is just a fun little tidbit. Dear John on its own already weaves a really beautiful visual picture and a story in one's head. But I feel like now the outfit from the tour really is inseparable from the song itself. And like that combined with the pyrotechnic effects on the tour with that purple tulle dress really just epitomizes the lyrics of the song so perfectly. When we think about fashion, though, Dear John tells the story of a relationship where there was obviously a power disparity between Taylor and the person she was with. And I think we can all kind of drop the niceties and acknowledge that the person being depicted here is obviously John Mayer. (laughs) But I digress. Taylor really cements the imagery or the idea of that power imbalance through the language of clothes. Um, Think about how the phrase woman in a gown evokes a much different image than girl in the dress. There's a sense of naivete and helplessness she's trying to convey here of being young and impressionable and thus more easily taken advantage of, especially when you consider the girlishness of the dress she chose for the tour. It's short, it's fluffy, it's pastel purple, it's undeniably feminine and young, which is everything this song is supposed to be. Taylor obviously became famous at a very young age, and a big part of her appeal for a while was her youth. Taylor expanded on this, I think, in the Miss Americana documentary, how she was admired for her skill and her talent when she was young. She was lauded as this up-and-coming, like, songwriter of her generation, and, oh, she's so young and she's so talented. That's amazing. Until she got older... And became a woman, and her talent was perceived as a threat, and thus something to be targeted and attacked and created room or opportunity to take her down a few pegs. But like, that's another story. That's a whole other podcast episode. Maybe Mad Woman. Taylor, like writing and acknowledging her youth here as the girl in the dress, really generates that sense of self-awareness about her identity and her perceived identity as a celebrity and an artist, the young ingenue in a sundress and cowboy boots, if you will. But what makes this image like so fantastic is how she turns it on its head by the song's end and injects a sense of power into the girl who's in the dress. She isn't just someone something has been done to. She is now someone doing something in response. 
And there is a beautiful, innately feminine power in saying, yes, I am the girl in the dress. I'm still the girl in the dress. Look what all that I'm capable of doing while still embodying and owning all of my femininity. Oh my That's God. so good. I that was like it. a sermon. Yeah, that was so good. That was like, that was like, you just, oh my God. I put together some of those things, but then yeah, the idea of woman in a gown, like that had not crossed my brain. It's, oh, oh, it's so good. Literally because this was like one of the first songs that I watched on YouTube of hers, I only think of her in the tour outfit. It's inseparable. It's canon now. Like when you think Dear John, it's interesting because like when you read, when you read books and the author is describing like what a character looks like or what a scene looks like and everybody kind of paints their own picture in their head. But that's the beauty of tour and how tours give kind of everybody a universal image to associate with. But when I say Dear John, if you don't think of Taylor in her classic, I'm hitting a high note, Taylor pose... With the fireworks going on behind her in the purple dress. That's what you see, right? You know the high note. Oh, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Well, and also just that the way she starts that song, she's on the set, she's sitting down and she's kind of more like lower in her power. And Mm. then she ends in this epic pose with the fireworks. Mm -hmm. Like that is the triumphant moment. She's found her power. She gains confidence. And she's still wearing the dress. Like she could have had a costume change. You know what I mean? We love an onstage costume change, but the point is, is that the dress is a symbol not only of how she was taken advantage of, but a symbol of the power in which she found herself within herself in response to it. Yeah, just, I love the unabashed, I am a girl, like I am a female and not shying away from that. And I love that about Taylor. One of her best quotes is, I don't want to butcher it, but the quote about, I want to like sparkles and I want to like be like an owner of like my work. And I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And like relate because so often things that are girly are often, you know, diminished or looked down on or I love that so yeah we've talked about that before here too about with Taylor's fans being many you know young women that idea too of her being written off and not taken seriously because of that but we talk about how young women and pop music have been the marker of what's popular through history Mm -hmm. and so that young women are often underestimated in that way teenage girls have been carrying the music industry on their backs since the Beatles exactly yeah now we get to the segment of Gossip. In general definition terms, a Dear John letter is a letter written from one romantic partner to another to inform them that their relationship is over. While the exact origins of the phrase are unknown, the most likely origin dates back to the 1862 poem No Thank You, John by the Victorian poet Christina Rossetti. Another theory is that the term came from Anthony Trollope's 1864 novel, Can You Forgive Her?, where the protagonist composes such a letter to her soon-to-be-spurned lover, John Gray. The term Dear John is commonly believed to have been coined by Americans during World War II. John was the most popular and common baby name for boys in America from 1880 through 1923. Letters to servicemen from wives or girlfriends back home would typically contain affectionate language such as Dear Johnny, My Dearest John, or simply Darling, so that a serviceman receiving a note beginning with a curt 
Dear John would instantly be aware of the letter's purpose. Apparently, enough of these letters were sent ending relationships for it to become a known term. Taylor uses the saying Dear John to her advantage, writing her own Dear John letter in the form of this song. Mm -hmm. As many know, it also happens to be the name of one of her recent exes at the time, John Mayer. Taylor and Mayer recorded a duet, Half of My Heart, in 2009. Shortly after they worked on the track, the two were in a relationship for a number of months. Taylor had a long-time documented crush on Mayer that she had talked about on various talk shows and had also admired his music. When the relationship started, Taylor was only 19 years old and Mayer was 32. Taylor's age during the relationship is the most obvious reference in this song that points to John Mayer. Don't you think 19's too young to be played by your dark twisted games when I loved you so? Mm-hmm. John Mayer was known in the media during this time for dating famous women and allegedly breaking their hearts. We don't actually know who broke whose hearts in these relationships. But this is referenced in the lyric, all the girls that you've run dry have tired, lifeless eyes because you burned them out. During an appearance on the Ellen DeGeneres show, Ellen asked Taylor outright if this song is about John Mayer. After dancing around the question for a while, Taylor eventually replied, I'm still going to continue to write about my life, and I guess people are going to continue to speculate about it, and I'm going to continue to never tell them what the song is about. Mm. <laughs> Which is true. She she has stuck by that. About the song, Taylor said, A lot of times when people's relationships end, they write an email to that person and say everything they wish they would have said. A lot of times they don't push send. This was a tough one to write, she added, and I guess putting on the album was pushing send. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, it was. That's a big, that's a big scent. That's like sending the memo to the entire office when you only mean to send it to like one person. Yeah, like your friend in the office. You're like, or... you're like oh, this is just for so-and-so. And it's like, oh, everybody saw that. Everybody's yeah, gonna yeah listen it's to that. not, it didn't just go to him. Though Taylor never confirmed that the song is about John Mayer. It definitely upset him when he heard it, obviously. He told Rolling Stone, it made me feel terrible because I didn't deserve it. I'm pretty good at taking accountability now, and I never did anything to deserve that. It was a really lousy thing for her to do. Which, you know, doing something to deserve a song or not, that's a very subjective area. What he did in the relationship versus what she experienced, he doesn't get to really say that. After he talked to Rolling Stone in a November 2012 issue of Glamour magazine, Taylor hit back at his comment and she said, how presumptuous. I never disclose who my songs are about. (laughs) To which I say, LOL. (laughs) Because this song is about John Mayer. It just is. (laughs) Yeah, she really replied all in this scenario. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. How presumptuous. Oh, wow. (laughs) Peak Taylor. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. And yeah, it's just fantastic. And I wish I could have had that kind of gumption at that age. And now. Great word, gumption. Thank you. And then we also have to mention that, of course, Dear John is a track five, Mm -hmm. which continues Taylor's pattern of track fives being emotionally vulnerable songs. And for the most part, being very personal songs. I think as we get to Evermore, it might not be as much, but we'll We'll see when we get there. We'll get to tolerate it in a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this song is a very, very much a track five. Definitely. So Sarah, what is your favorite line in the song? You've actually already mentioned my favorite line in this episode. Okay, good. For me, what always pushes the knife in and twists it is maybe it's me and my blind optimism to blame, or maybe it's you and your sick need 
to give love than take it away. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I love this line so much is because it correlates very much into being a John Mayer fan, knowing what I know about him, which is, yeah. Can I swear on this podcast? Oh, yes. Oh, he's he's fucked up. He's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) He's... He's had a tendency, basically, in every relationship he's had to self-sabotage in some regard and to, and to run away scared. And funnily enough, there's like an eerily prophetic line in the song that he and Taylor duet on together, which is called Half of My Heart. And the line is, half of my heart is a shotgun wedding to a bride with a paper ring. And mm. half of my heart is the part of a man who's never truly loved anything. Ooh. Yeah. We'll stick a pin in the paper rings reference here and just focus on the back half. John is this guy who's always been afraid that there's something broken inside of him mm. and that he's not capable of fully letting go and loving somebody, which I mean, yeah, Taylor read him. Like that is a read <laughs> and she nails it. So it's part of being a John Mayer fan where I can listen to that line and be like, yep, she got it. <laughs> she, she got it. <laughs> yeah. How's John Mayer's like mental health these days? Yeah. I mean, he's just vibing in Montana. Oh, okay. Like you do. Good place for a quarantine. Been single for a while. <laughs> But yeah, vibing in Montana with his dog. Good for good for him. I mean, that's I mean, he, pretty he nice. was just on the Grammys with Mary Morris. Yeah, which I thought was so interesting. Which was very interesting. Because not a week later, after the Grammy performance, did we find out Marin Morris was a featured artist on You All Over Me. Mm. <laughs> oh my god, I did not have The way their paths continue to cross artistically. Yeah. So fascinating. And that's another thing about all of this is that so many of Taylor's exes are still very much in her life and still very much in the public eye. Yeah, and, like crossing paths. I mean, like not technically like in her life like every day or whatever but like she has to see them every once in a while you know most of my exes i don't have to see Mm -hmm, ever again mm -hmm. and i'm happy for that but you're right like like joe jonas fearless stuff right now and john mayer and and harry styles everybody's a musician as well and so the fact that they keep popping into each other's lives is still like Ooh, well, they were also ex. all like very talented, <laughs> yeah. high-profile people, too. Like, oh, there's your ex. Oh, boy. Devin, what's your favorite line in the song? So my favorite line is, the girl in the dress wrote you a song. Nice. It's just the perfect cap to mm-hmm. the song. Mm-hmm. Every time she sings that line and then proceeds to say, and in like, you should have known, mm-hmm. like, I just, I go crazy. I'm like, I'm like, yes, she no, oh, she always gets it. Like she's gonna. Oh my god! And so I, it just makes me feel all of the feels. And I, this is another instance where like I don't really have words to say how I feel about it. It's mm-hmm. just like that feeling, mm-hmm. you know, of like like whatever that is. The Kermit, the Kermit throwing his arms in the air. Yes, exactly. None of you can see what we're doing right now, but we're throwing our arms in the air. <laughs> so that that is my favorite line. Yeah, what is yours? So this is very, like, (laughs) typical me, I'd say. I love the line, I'm shining like fireworks over your sad, empty town. I loved it when it first came out, and I still love it. It's an epic, triumphant, spiteful line. I just love it. And then, like, when I saw this performed live, and, like, even though, like, we were in, like, an enclosed arena, seeing the fireworks and pyrotechnics go off on stage was just, like, shocking and epic and like I don't think I had ever seen that used in a concert in that way before Mm. and at least not in an arena 
Like I'd been in stadiums where it was like maybe a sporting event, but seeing that I was so shocked and excited by it. And it was just like so epic. And I just love the line and like the knowing that Taylor does shine like fireworks and Oh, it's just so good. And like, it's that same idea too of like connecting to recently listening to Fearless, like with White Horse, her saying, I'm going to find someone someday who might actually treat me well, singing that when she has found that person. Like, just like knowing these lines, like that Taylor knows, I'm going to write these lines into existence and I'm going to be epic in that Mm -hmm. way. And she has like fulfilled all of that. And it just makes me so happy and like, yeah, girl. Self-fulfilling prophecies. Yep. I love it. Love it. Okay, so, Sarah, (laughs) on a scale of 1 to 10 dark, twisted games, (laughs) what is your rating for this song? So we have to grade Taylor songs on a curve. Okay. And while this song is fantastic, in my personal world, it is an 8. Okay. Mm -hmm. I feel that. Solid. Like, it's in the top echelon of songs. There are songs that are above it for me, but I cannot deny the impact and the iconicness of this song Mm. that's a good that's a good rating yeah what about you Devin? from one to ten dark twisted games what's your rating okay so i also think it is a fantastic song as i've said many times it is not one that i seek out though Mm. Mm. i absolutely appreciate it respect it love it when it comes on i'm in for it but I don't like seek it out. Mm. It's not like jump then fall for me. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. I just like go and go ham on jump then fall. So I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to give it a seven. <laughs> Devin's a jump then fall I'm a fan. Jump then fall fan. <laughs> I'm like sitting here like, really? <laughs> That's the <Yeah>. song? <laughs> That's how I feel too. Yes. I mean, and it's, it's, she, she's fun, but like, I don't know why. I don't know why. I love it. And it's also like really easy to play on the guitar. Like you don't have to put the capo on and it's just, you know, D, A, E minor, G. Like that's all you have to play. And so it's like really easy. So I've been playing it on the guitar too. And I like, I love it. I love Jump the Fall. I'm sorry. But it's my guilty pleasure. It's it's also both his and one of my best friend's favorite songs. So maybe it's like a Leo thing. It might be a Leo thing. Okay. (laughs) Might be. Okay. Um, But so seven, seven. I'll give this a solid seven. How about you guys? Okay. What will you give it? Okay. On a scale so, of 1 to 10 Dark Twisted Games. From 1 to 10 Dark Twisted Games, I will also give it an 8. Okay. Basically, for all the same reasons that you said, I think it's such a well-written song that I enjoy listening to and enjoy singing. But given how much we've gotten and how many songs I love, Times a Million, the best songs, mm-hmm. I, I, it's got to be in that steady 8. Like, it's a great song, but it's not one of my all-time faves. So, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us as a guest on Tay to Z podcast. Yay! Please share with all of our followers where they can find you on Instagram, your blog, your Patreon, all of it. Absolutely. You can follow along on the commentary and fashion identification of Taylor Swift Style on the blog, which is taylorswiftstyle.com, on Instagram, which is taylorswiftstyled with a D at the end. One day I'll get the Taylor Swift style handle on Instagram. On Twitter at T Swift style. Twitter needs to give me one more character because they, oh. they have like a character limit on your Twitter handle. So I, mm. so I can't do Taylor Swift style in full, but mm. T Swift style. 
And if you're interested in additional style commentary, including behind the scenes blog content or personal style content from me, as well as individual one-on-one personal styling services, you can find my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Taylor Swift style. Yes. And I feel like most of our listeners probably already follow you, but for any that don't, you, you've got you, to. You, you it's it's to. the best content. It's epic. I've been following Sarah way before we started this podcast <laughs> for a couple years now. So this has been very exciting. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Oh. Big, big fan. <laughs> big fans. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, yeah, for, uh, for being on here with us. This was amazing. Thank you for my amazing stinger. It's going to be my new ringtone. I love it. <laughs> Amazing. You captured my brand perfectly. Perfect. <laughs> we try. We try over we here try. at Jay to Z. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Listen along with us. Check us out on Instagram at Tata Z Podcast and give us all of your thoughts. How do you feel about Dear John? Mm. How many dark, twisted games would you rate this song? How many? Did you not know it was about John Mayer? Let us know all your thoughts and be sure to follow or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Yes. So next episode... Holy moly, we are going to be covering Death by a Thousand Cuts! Woo, 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 woo. From Lover. Come hang with us. I'm Devin. And I'm Gab. This has been Tay to Z. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>